All right. I am here with Gam Yimke and Jacob Cologne. Um, they joined me tonight for a special edition of the Animalitia podcast. Guys, thanks for uh, joining me. It's been a while. It's good to see both of you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what do you... It's been a while since I've touched base with either of you guys. So, like, what have you guys been up to creatively? Wow. <laughs> well, Jacob, do you want to take the reins on this one? Uh, sure. We uh, kind of started things up uh, more officially for our uh, entertainment, you know, goals. Uh, we're doing comic books. We're doing light novels, full, full-length novel, uh, working on some short films. And uh, I'm even working on a feature film. So we got some stuff going on. We're going under the brand named Zymoth. Zymoth? Yes. To uh, fully understand the meaning behind that, you'll just kind of have to follow us along on our ride uh, through our stories. All right, perfect. Where where can uh, people look you up at? You're on YouTube, correct? So yeah, we're currently on YouTube. We've been uh, operating the channel now for a couple of months. It's going pretty strong so far. And uh, within our first month, we, what was it, Jacob? We, we got 150 on our Patreon, just from like random people who found us online. Yeah, we have uh, had like 11 patrons within the first month. Um, we got some stuff that we're trying, that we're thinking of putting on there, but uh, we haven't gone too far uh, on Patreon yet. Got big plans for it, though. All right, that's dope. Um, <clears throat> and is the name of your comic Born Users, or do I have that incorrect? So yeah, Born Users is actually, we released the first uh, six pages of that back in uh, October, earlier this year. And uh, that, you know, that did pretty well so far. Uh, So far, what we're planning to do with that is we've, as Jacob said, we have a novel going for that, in addition to the comic book series that we're doing. And a lot of people could probably expect that out to be on uh, a website called Webtoons. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. So what Webtoons is, it's kind of like the YouTube of comics. You see a lot of people posting on there where they could just, anyone can make an account, you make a comic on there. And, you know, similar to YouTube, they have advertising revenue for people who put up their comics online. And a lot of people, you know, they've been found on there. They ended up doing stuff for uh, big publishers, like after the fact, they got picked up. And in some cases, uh, some of them even got anime produced this year by uh, companies like Crunchyroll. So there's definitely a big uh, worldwide audience reach with Webtoons. There's people from tons of different countries who read on there. Lots of opportunity. Uh, yeah, I nice. mean, the community on there is pretty cool, too, because you see people on there from tons of different countries who just, they'll just do fan translations of your comics so people from all over could read it for free. Awesome. That's that's great. Um, I know tr- um, I recently signed a, a publishing contract for a book I wrote, and I know that translating um into multiple different uh languages and countries is uh it's definitely something you need to do for marketing purposes and being able to expand to a more global audience um gum if i'm if i'm correct you were in the united kingdom for a while right or yeah yeah so i was this was back in I believe November and December of last year, I went to UK. That's awesome. What do you, what do you do there? Was that just like a post uh, college thing, or did you have some business you were taking care of? Yeah, it was. It was kind of a post college thing. Um, it was also where I met my girlfriend out there, and uh, I also met uh, someone that Jacob and I have been collaborating with for the past couple of years now. Our friend Nick who's a oh, fantastic okay. illustrator. Yeah. Uh, yep. And uh, we had, a, you know, we had a good time out there. UK food, surprisingly, uh, yeah. probably some of the best food I've had. Like I'm not even <laughs> joking. Okay. What, uh, what's the most exotic thing that you had over there or like surprising for food? Well, I don't know about exotic, but like it was the first time I ever tried a lamb and they had it in like this. It wasn't like regular type of lamb. They had it, this thing that was right. called a lamb Donner. Okay. Like their big thing. They had the Donner burgers. Yeah. I can't tell you what the Donner is. I'm not entirely sure myself, but right. whatever it is, it tastes yeah. very good. Yeah. Lamb is dope. I've been eating a lot of lamb coincidentally recently. <laughs> so fun fact, oh, nice. fun fact about my life. <laughs> Lots of lamb has been eaten recently. Um, hey man, lamb's good. <laughs> um, 
so <clears throat> I'm gonna address the elephant in the room here. Um, I noticed you're wearing a luchador mask. Um, <laughs> would you would you mind filling my audience in on uh, the significance yes. behind this mask, yeah. where it comes from? Um, of course, of awesome. course. I, I get I get asked this question uh, quite frequently now, ever since we've been kind of building up a little bit more of a presence, and I've never right. actually addressed it publicly. Yeah. So I'll address it here for first okay. time. Perfect. Uh, essentially, you know, for me growing up, I was a big fan of luchador culture. Uh, for me, I felt like storytelling is something that kind of kicked off with uh, backyard wrestling, funnily enough, because like back in, oh man, I can't even name the year for you, but I can name the website. Are you familiar with years ago, there was a website called Justin.tv? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah, I mean, it ended up being either bought by Twitch, acquired by Twitch, whatever the case may be. Um, but at the time, that was like the big streaming platform. Right. And there were people on there who would uh, basically stream their own pro wrestling shows. And there was these guys from Wisconsin yeah. called uh, SNR Wrestling. Okay. And I had watched their thing. I, I thought it was interesting that they were, you know, they were starting to get a big enough audience to actually do pay-per-views for a backyard wrestling show. Right. So I, I reached out to them. I talked to them about how they do what they do. Yeah. And I got some pointers. I ended up hosting my own show. I had about like... I, there was like probably like 30 people here in the backyard at times like we would set up seats we had like contracts going like it was a whole thing Dang. and uh, they ended up seeing what i was doing and uh they basically sold me the rights to this custom luchador mask and the character name which was yeah. at the time vitality and uh i took the reins of it from there that's that's why this i got this mask and you know for me it kind of felt like a, I don't know, like a way of breaking out creatively. You know what I mean? Because right. I had the first opportunity to like really write storylines, to really work with actors, and really kind of just form something together. And uh, that really stuck with me. And if you're familiar with Wuchador culture, you would know that uh, <laughs> when Wuchadors go out in public, uh, for all their public appearances, they always, they always stick with the mask. So that's just... Maintain the, maintain the mystery and the uh, the mystique <laughs> that it represents, right? Totally, hundred uh, percent, and the creativity, bad, right? That's a badass story. Um, <laughs> that is, I haven't even heard that story. That's a good one. <laughs> so, did you ever did you ever partake in any uh, backyard wrestling matches yourself? Oh, oh yeah, so it's in a lot of them. You probably yeah. still find something online. <laughs> yeah, other than that I mentioned. Uh, All of <laughs> There was, there was, uh, I did a couple, uh, what's considered, uh, death matches. I don't know if you know, if you know what that, <laughs> I, I am very familiar. Um, man, we're going to, we're going to, this is going to branch off into a whole thing, but, uh, 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 I used to be a big fan of, uh, John Moxley's death matches when he was on the Indies yes. and, yeah. uh, Dean Ambrose was one of my favorites in WWE. And obviously hmm. he's the star in AEW, which, I feel like we're going to have to hit on that uh, in a little bit one way or another. But, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with death matches, so that's absolutely awesome. Backyard wrestling, those were some great times. Um, man, yeah, just everything in the Attitude Era and the blood and guts. And yeah. we got we got some really good videos. Uh, they're all destroyed now because they were on, like, VH VHS type of tapes. Um, I wish I still had them. And, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, this shit looks cool, but like, you'll never become anything doing this. And then now there's like a whole generation of people who literally got their start yeah, doing backyard wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. example. A lot of them started <laughs> as backyard wrestlers. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. So uh, do either of you, do you watch AEW? I'm a fan. I watch pretty avidly. I don't know if Jacob has uh, gone into no, it. No, I, I watched the first few episodes, and I, I actually I actually enjoyed it, but yeah. I feel like at that time, also, I started slipping away from WWE, and at this point, I don't watch it, either of them at all, so, like, I don't know. Okay, so you, you haven't probably seen the programming for over a year? No, yeah, yeah, at least, yeah. <laughs> I saw, like, the first few episodes. Okay, gotcha. Um... 
Yeah, I think it's it's a great product. It's finally the wrestling product that true fans have been asking for for years that WWE was just failing to deliver on. And then there's yeah. always like there was always like a sliver of hope things would change and then it never changed and but yeah, just never. letting <laughs> letting the wrestlers craft their own storylines, cut their own unscripted promos. Um, the wrestling between the ropes is very solid. Um, God damn it. And some, just some blood and gore, like all this PG shit. I know, uh, that's like beating a dead horse cause that's <laughs> such a complaint, but like for real, how do you buy into the drama of like some massive match? If someone's going through like six tables and taking like 10 chair shots, how is there not blood? Because it's like, you watch the Attitude Era, the WWE of the late 90s, people were blading all the freaking time. (laughs) It's it's just, it's so hard to believe it. It's, and it's, it's frustrating. So AEW delivers on that and it's brutal. Like some of those matches are just absolutely out of the park. Well, yeah, you mentioned Moxley, and I was just gonna say, man, like yeah. Moxley's match with Omega, you know what I'm talking about from last year? The full oh, yeah, yeah, that was incredible. That was like the first mm-hmm. like proper death match that I think AEW has put on. Yeah, there's there's actually uh, there's a story. I don't know if it was like legit or not, but I think they did that pay per view in Louisiana, and they actually got like charged or something because of like the level of violence or like. To, yeah, I, I heard it was, it was like a fine issue to them by the athletic commission of the state or something. Yeah, like they they considered it like criminal activity or something because of the level of brutality. Like, I don't know. It, it was something crazy, though. The suplex through the barbed wire tables and then, uh, gosh, leading up to that, there's this suplex through the glass. and Rolling through the glass. Like, oh, yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. That was a brutal one. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I used to um, – yeah, I followed him obviously in WWE, but back in the Indies as John Moxley, and dude's like wrestling in front of, you know, like he's at a flea market, just wrestling in a ring in some like grassy, uh, like parking lot area, and he's blading, and he's got they're smashing dinner plates over each other, and like <laughs> there's one he was wrestling this uh, guy called Brain Damage, and they had a lot of like uh, death matches and a lot of really brutal. Uh, fights in the indies and there's this one where there's literally like a fucking man they're like stabbing each other with forks and shit and he's got like oh man he's got like a like a fucking turkey carver or something like one of those electric like uh carving tools for like a turkey and he's like cutting up his face with it oh my god God. yeah just absolutely (laughs) ridiculous so it's so awesome that uh uh a wrestler like that finally has a big stage to legitimately do their art form to the best of their ability and nothing stifling them or holding them back. And it's funny that they got fined for it because apparently they were doing that as safely as possible. Like I mentioned crawling through the broken glass. Apparently that was like sugar glass and they had set it up to look like it was as real as possible. Yeah, and even though the barbed wire, like some of it was real apparently, right. but some of it was also work. So like they they were pretty safe about it for the most part. Did you ever see the match they did where? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, they use a lot of thumbtacks. Thumbtacks are a classic. Oh yeah. But there is this match oh, yeah. where, <laughs> where he brings out the burlap sack or whatever, and instead of pouring out thumbtacks, he pours out Legos. Did you ever see that one? <laughs> oh okay i think i'm seeing this yeah i don't remember who was in that fact but like i remember seeing that and i'm like legos this is so silly but then i was thinking about it and i'm like kind of brilliant yeah Yeah. dude stepping on legos that was brutal and it's like man i don't know maybe being power bombed on the legos that might be as bad or worse as thumbtacks oh i'm just imagining (laughs) that right now Damn. And the the guy gets up and he's got Legos sticking out of his back and his skin and <laughs> was yeah terrific. Was that Elias? Was that in WWE? I think I no, remember that was talking about. that was AEW. Okay, okay, yeah, it's quite a while ago. Um, yeah, I can't recall who it was. Um, who's your favorite in that promotion? Oof, I mean, you mentioned Moxley. Moxley's right. great. 
Uh, you know my favorite talker though. You, yeah. you heard of uh, heard of Eddie Kingston? Oh my God, he's the best talker in wrestling right now. <laughs> Absolute best, dude. Like he he just sounds like everything he's saying is legitimately what he means. Like it's, he doesn't sound character. It's believability. It's the same thing as watching a movie or like reading a story. Like you believe you believe this character's motives because there's an actual story behind them and there's emotion driving it and. Yeah. Yeah, when you script these goofy ass PG promos in WWE, they don't—they're not able to deliver. And yeah. <clears throat> yeah, someone like Eddie Kingston is a perfect example of what someone can do creatively when they when they're able to just go out and do their thing. But yeah, that um, that feud with him and Moxley a couple months ago—that might have been the feud of the year, like in any promotion, just because they both sold that so good. You were so bought into. Um, just how personal their rivalry was and um yeah it's sometimes it feels like a long time since wrestling has had anything that's felt that authentic and personal so i love it it's a great time to be a fan i never thought we would have anything competing with uh a global brand like wwe but yeah. it's awesome it's here so it's exciting stuff it's I can't, good that it is here, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for full arenas again and stuff like that if it ever happens. Oh, we can only oh, yeah. hope, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So, <clears throat> both of you, if you want to tell me a little bit, like, how did you get into uh, comics? Like, what... Um, personally, I, I don't really know much about them. I don't... Uh, I don't have too much experience, but like what, what things kind of led you guys to have an interest in that and then pursuing it after college? Well, I guess you could tell them how, how we started collaborating together. Well, okay. So me personally, I was never too huge on comics. Mm -hmm. I liked them. I enjoyed them every now and then I'll, I would, uh, I actually, the first comic that I bought for myself was the secret wars with the uh, Marvel. And I didn't actually finish the entire run of that because mm -hmm. I wasn't too interested in that, but I, I got a uh, civil war also. And that comic book has always been one of my favorites. So then when I met Mike at a uh, at full sale university and uh, sorry, I said, Mike, uh, when I met gone at uh, <laughs> in college, um, that's when he, uh, he introduced me to some of these comic ideas. And then when we developed them together, it's like magic. I don't know how to explain it. And uh, <laughs> I just, and he has this massive comic collection, manga, all that. So just getting the inspiration from that. Berserk, I really loved. Uh, scroll, flipping through the Dragon Ball, it's amazing. So our stories are just, you know, it has to be that or nothing at all, you know. So. Awesome. And uh, what else? What was the question again? <laughs> how did we get into comics? Yeah, and then just kind of like, how'd you get interest? What motivated you to like pursue it? Oh yeah, I mean, it's literally just just when we create stories together. Like I I I probably had the idea to make like a comic or two in the past, but it was never uh, something that drove me the way that I like novels or screenplay. Um, but then these you know these stories are just so intimate and personal now to me that uh, I don't know. I can't I can't imagine them. Actually, I can imagine them in any medium, but comics is like the first, at least for born users. Definitely, definitely. Uh, to, to add to that, though, uh, Jacob mentions how basically before we uh, started working together, I approached him with a few ideas. Mm -hmm. I said, listen, here's some comics I'm developing. Uh, also, in the case of uh, Dimension Driver, that was the first time that we fully developed like one together at the start yeah and i think that was um that was like a test to see how well we'd collaborate together we we just like jacob said it the best way he possibly could like it's just magic when we collaborate together it's right it's uh it's a lot of fun working with jacob but um one thing that i think gave us the advantage at the start was that when i had already approached jacob i was already collaborating with two international artists uh the person i mentioned earlier nick from the uk who i saw yeah. when i was out there and um, our friend who goes by the pen name Cthulhu Hernandez, that's, mm -hmm. uh, he's from Mexico. And he, he uh, illustrates Born Users, H2O Bottle Cop. Uh, he's doing what else now? He's doing Dimension Driver now. Um, he's, he's, awesome. he's like our, our all-star guy, this guy. He's, right. he's, uh, he's designed a lot of characters. He works directly with us. Like It's back and forth collaboration all the time. 
And, um, you know, Jacob and I, like, we'll make storyboards for him. So, like, it kind of goes back and forth of what we're doing. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that kind of gave us that sort of edge to kind of have that start because we already, in my case, I already knew these people. I was already kind of, like, form, formulating ideas together with them and, like, collaborating right. on something. Uh, it was kind of weird how I even met them, though, because it was, um, it was through a small publication that I was a part of a few years ago under a different name. Um, but uh, the publication was called Saturday AM. And essentially, yeah. uh, they, they do a lot of like manga style type of comics, like stuff that looks like it might be from Japan, but they have artists from, as I mentioned, just like all over, you know, internationally. So there was the guy there who uh, gave me a start basically. And he introduced me to both of these artists. And I'm very grateful for that because, you know, regardless of how things worked out with that publisher, you know, we're now still working with these same artists, still collaborating, still formulating, you know, these stories together. So I think um, in the end, you know, I, I gained so much from that experience that to the point that I, uh, I started a international sort of community of artists Sweet. that I set up on discord. So like, this is a place where I kind of thought it would be like a hub where I could bring in artists from all over that we could potentially collaborate with in the future. And just, just more people we can meet. Cause uh, the more we keep, you know, making these stories, the more we realize as Jacob says that this is going to end up having to be in other mediums. And if that's the case, then, I mean, this time to form your all-star team is, you know, right away. Right. You want to look for the talent that you want to be working with for years in cases like this. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, um, it's, Oh, I'm sorry. Were you gonna say, say no, something? no. I was going to say, it, uh, one, honestly, this is like not even to necessarily like be directly dealing with the comics when I say this, but, uh, this has kind of inspired me a lot to kind of think of the bigger picture of what right. we're trying to do here. Cause we, I mentioned international artists and I'm sure you're familiar with, um, outsourcing and outsourcing industry, correct? Sure. Yeah, like how, for instance, like um, in animation, a lot of times things are outsourced to another country where people are being paid, you know, way less than what they're probably worth for their value of what they can, you know, be bringing to the table. And like, mm -hmm. I think all in all, the big goal that I have with everything that we're trying to do is like to one day run an international animation like sort of studio where we can bring in people, even they don't even necessarily have to be in office, they could be online you know, bringing in talent from all over and giving them that opportunity to where, uh, you know, they'd actually be paid a living wage and be valued for what they are. Because I think I've seen, you know, I see it all the time with the outsourcing industry. And I think like on one hand, it's great that so many artists get a chance to be part of these huge projects that come out, video games, movies, animation. Uh, but on their hand, it, it's a problem in some areas because you do see a lot of studios over there uh in other countries unfortunately not paying these outsource artists what they're actually working for like in terms of the amount of hours they're putting in the work that they're putting in and i think uh just the fact that we're already kind of building this community of international artists it's really kind of clicked on that gear in my head that yeah you know what if we do actually build up into something that's totally i'd be totally fine with representing uh that sort of vision for outsourcing industry like as far as like what we would be doing on our end that's awesome. Um, yeah, that sounds super cool. Um, in terms of like creativity, what, how does, um, uh, a comic book, um, differ as far as providing a creative outlet to tell a story versus like screenwriting or a novel? Um, like how does it help you sort of get the stories and the characters out of your head? And, um, uh, what do you like about, um, converting those into like a graphic novel yeah you know it feels like a movie on paper i've told okay. jacob this before a lot of times where it's just like that proof of concept version of uh what you're doing like i had an instructor uh, back at our college when i met jacob tell me how it's good to uh actually be doing these projects in this format first because later on it's going to help us be able to sell these things and actually maintain the rights to what we're doing because we have that you know that first visual yeah. of like what it sort of you know looks like um and yeah you know that's that's part of the excitement of it you know you have that sort of freedom 
where you don't have to worry about the budget of, you know, oh, I need these props, I need these visual effects. And we totally want to be able to do that in the future. But with the constraints that we have, uh, being able to do it as art is totally yep. fine with us, too. And then, you know, it, is my microphone messed up right now? Oh, you good? Okay. I don't know. Does it sound weird to you guys? Uh, it sounds fine. I can hear you. All right, now it's mute. It was fine before. Like now? Yep, you're good. Okay. Um, all right, so to answer the question, mm -hmm. I think um, creatively, I don't, the, the question would probably be better to ask what is similar about comics to like movies or screenplays or whatever it is, because I think more, I think they're more similar than not, because in sure. all those mediums, you're kind of forced to describe exactly what's there and exactly what things look like more so in comic books. And I think most so in books, as I've realized converting the comics into a novel format is just such a higher level of description. And I think that just adds to everything in general. And it, uh, so at the base of everything is the written word. And I think that's what, you know, makes them all so similar. Very cool. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. It's a good perspective on it. Yeah. Some problems with the microphone there. I think it was actually just the um, headphone thing. Oh. That sounds better. All right. Uh, what else have you guys had going on since graduation as uh, the comic books? Um, has that just been like the main focus or? Well, it's also been building up the brand. I think uh, the YouTube thing has definitely been coming together. We have a few different shows we've been running on there. Some things that are still in production, they're going to be coming out on there. Um, and, you know, that's just been trying to bring awareness towards what we have been doing with the comics. But Jacob mentioned, of course, there's also the novels yeah. now into addition to the comics. And that's, of course, adding a lot more time to uh, what we've been working on. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of... Uh social media and on that which gets kind of frustrating you know this year's it's just a, there's a lot of toxic you know personalities on social media and it just makes it oh no kind of hard to advertise on there and but uh <laughs> it has to be done you know so that's kind of one of the one of the things that we've been doing a lot of but uh <laughs> yeah you know the comic writing the novel writing uh, i've been doing a lot of screenplays myself recently so I did. Uh, I did a whole episode on that recently. All the the just the toxic uh, mess of social media and uh, the censorship and the people on there. Like I've pretty much entirely abandoned Facebook. Yeah, um, me too. I don't blame you. I like. Honestly. I'm like I'm sick of being thrown in Facebook jail every time I like try <laughs> to promote something. Um, yeah. And then it's like. I, I look through comments on stuff and I feel like everyone who's commenting or partaking is either toxic or they're just kind of like really old. And, uh, yeah, I'm just like, okay, I opt out. I'm not going to use it. So like occasionally and, I'll use my Facebook page to promote stuff, but like, I just, yeah, no, I have no problem saying no to Facebook. Like I think <laughs> Mike, Mike texted me one day and he's like, yo, somebody hacked into our, our facebook for zymouth or born users or whatever it was yep. and yeah. it yep. was like we got to shut it down and i was just like okay <laughs> like that's just one less thing i have to have to yeah. look at you know so it's probably one of probably one of zuckerberg's people Bass, <laughs> inside guy <laughs> yeah um yeah the social media stuff's kind of a nightmare i i'm kind of the, to the point now where i'm like uh, the more simple, the better. So like, um, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to gut stuff at this point and then whatever I decide to keep, just like focus on making that solid and interactive and fun and something people might actually engage with who actually like, uh, partake in it. I still like Instagram. That's not completely ruined. Um, yeah, me too. It's yeah. not, I like Instagram. It's maintained. It's, uh it's kind of like personal flavor. Like there's not too much toxic shit on there. Um, but yeah, Facebook, that's just, nah, that, no, and I'm, I'm not. <laughs> um, 
I can't do the TikTok either. That's way too cringy. Yeah, no. <laughs> Never. No one will convince me to download TikTok. Sorry. <laughs> we, we've talked about it too. We, we've talked about like, oh, should we like get a TikTok for the Zymuth brand thing? Put out some comic stuff on there. He's just like, hey man, if you want to do it, <laughs> not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, um, my partner Jake, who's uh, uh, one of my partners here in Animalitia, he's got a sports show um, of his own with some other friends. And uh, they're really popular on TikTok. Like they've they've got some bits and videos with like millions of views. And it's also I was like, cool. oh yeah, you know, like f- filming some dumb little horror clips. Like I don't know. Uh, f- you guys saw on Instagram, Ian and I went out cult smashing a few weeks ago, and like yeah, yeah, we just <laughs> recorded some clips of like talking shit, whatever. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of people like, yeah, dude, get that on TikTok. Like you gotta use it. Like I downloaded it once. And I'm just like, nope, I don't care how many fucking followers I'm I'm missing out on. I I can't put any energy into this. It's just like fucking incels fucking screaming into their phones and filming it and like sharing it with the world. They're like it's a bit of that, yeah. the cringiest shit I've ever seen. It's disturbing. Um it's not yeah. worth it. <laughs> it's it's not worth it. <laughs> I mean, granted, growing on YouTube is a, a little bit harder, but I think in the yeah. long run, it's it's better, uh, which is one thing we've been kind of learning because uh, like on YouTube, it's weird, right? They, they If you want to grow on YouTube, you have yeah. to have a channel that's like search engine optimized is what they always say. Sure. Where like you have to like have these sort of titles or eye-catching thumbnails of things that people are like already searching, already looking for. Okay. And it's like, I feel like with YouTube, it's a whole other thing because it's like, oh, okay on youtube we have to play by this sort of set of rules if we want to grow whereas on tiktok i'm seeing people just post the, like the dumbest shit right. <laughs> and it's just you Blowing know up off a million that. like a million views instantly right. so hey if it works it works man it's it's got it's a proven <laughs> brand i guess for for some audiences but uh <laughs> well it's, yeah, you, make, uh, you, bring, you bring up a good point like um like who is your demographic and like you know who's going to be um buying into your business or interested in the art you're trying to create um for me and like my company it's probably not 10 year olds on tiktok so (laughs) um (laughs) i don't know maybe i'm missing out on an audience uh like 15 years down the line by not capturing them um kind of in that phase but eh, i don't care fuck it fuck it right (laughs) exactly yeah. i mean it's possible to to do some you know original content on there but just surfing through it i don't know it's just not for me yeah no i totally no. agree yeah. uh, have you guys done anything with film since um you guys left full sale or have you been in any projects or is like comics just the main focus i've been on a yeah i've been on a bunch of sets uh not so much this year it's okay. been very slow uh, recorded a few scenes of my own, trying to stitch together some ideas, um, maybe for shorts or features. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing too solid yet, but uh, I've got a feature that I wrote that uh, hopefully we're in development of. It's a guy that I met uh, actually at college also. Uh, okay. His name is George, and I've written, uh, I actually wrote my first teleplay for him. I wrote uh, two features for him. Uh, one of them was an original idea by me that I just yeah. came to him with. And uh, it's a micro budget, like $10,000 budget. So hopefully we could, uh, we're could we going to film that next year. So Badass. Best of luck to you. Um, what's the, uh, are you interested in like sharing the concept of it or the, or John? Uh, con- or? Concept, uh, it's, it's kind of generic comedy, <laughs> but okay. uh, there's something in there. I feel, I feel like um, when I show it to people, what I tell them is that it's a romantic comedy in disguise. Interesting. And as in, in disguise of what, I'll uh, let people decide that. Okay, right on. What about you, Gum? Yeah, you know, I've uh, I have like one feature that I've been writing recently. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't talked about it in like a public setting because it's not something that's like usually the things I've been writing have been with Jacob. We've been uh, I think I don't think we mentioned that all the comics we write are all attached, so to speak, like the same sort of universe. Same. Yeah story even right it's yeah um but the the one thing 
I've been writing lately uh, is a feature. It's like kind of a, I guess you could say it's like a supernatural romance type of deal. Right. And um, it's, it's, I guess I can get into it. It's about this guy, his, uh, his wife um, had died like a year previous and um, she's now come back to like try and get him, like have his life back on track. Like, so uh-huh. he could see her as a ghost and like no one else could see. And it goes from there basically. But, um yeah it's it i've been writing that that's been that's been a fun experience just because i haven't like wrote a feature in kind of a long time i've been so focused on like these action sort of comics and adventure comics right so just to do something that would be more like low budget sort of like smaller form story would be kind of fun uh, besides that though i uh i guess by the time this goes up i could officially say that I've revived my my old web series okay. that's uh, now going to be up on YouTube. Um, we're doing like a whole like ongoing storyline with the YouTube channel. There's like continuity happening between like each video, so yep. that's going to be happening uh, probably as soon as this goes up. Badass, awesome! Everyone should take a look at that. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I had a lot of fun filming with you guys in Florida. That was uh, that yeah. was that was a wild weekend. What was that like two days in a row, like doing a found footage film in like the woods? Somewhere. Yeah. Like that was a good time. That was a good time. That was yeah. fun. That was guerrilla filmmaking at its, at its, <laughs> at its you know, putting the the phone camera like right at me as I'm as I'm running through the woods, yelling yeah. for my life. <laughs> I like uh, the uh, makeshift fight scene in the bridge. that was was so much fun two two guys covered in blood just beating the shit out of each other on a bridge but then like everyone's like "Eh, it's florida it is it is what it is (laughs) Um, oh god do you guys remember so we're trying to like hit that final scene like um com you were killing it you were hitting lines and it was great but we just had nowhere to film the light sucked it was we so kept, dark yeah we point, kept yeah. getting interrupted by cars <laughs> it was very dark <laughs> we're, we're trying to capture we're like out in this jungle and now we're trying to capture the same like shot somehow in like the suburbs of winter yeah. park <laughs> and uh i remember so like we're yelling at each other and you're like talking to my character you're like oh damien you you fucker like you set us all up and i'm like don't talk to me that way you bitch like don't you fucking dit and then uh there's like this guy walking by like scared shitless because he just he sees us covered in blood and he thinks something's like going down (laughs) so like ian has to run out and be like uh hey sorry we're 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 just filming here like this isn't this isn't real Oh man, I'm pretty sure that guy was stoned too. I smelled something. <laughs> oh yeah, he, by. he was smoking <laughs> a joint as he was going by. <laughs> yeah, he's, he had an interesting time seeing that. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um, oh man, Kangaroo Express. That was a good one. Kangaroo yes. Express. Was the gas station um, near Buffalo with the uh, um, the fucking crackheads and the. the oh. rest- Right, right. Dude, Florida's a wild place, man, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> it is wild. You, you you encounter some of the strangest people in Florida. Uh, I, I feel like everyone I know who's lived in Florida has a Florida man story, at least one. Oh, you know? uh, totally. <laughs> I don't know if, if you've had one, like if you had like a one that's like stood out to you. I had, I mean, that was the first time I'd been to Florida in a long time that weekend, and I had several from that weekend, and, um, you know... <laughs> When I'm feeling down, sometimes I like to read the uh, Florida Man subreddit and just see what the news headlines are of the day and the week. And uh, yeah, you can't make that shit up. There's something in the water, and must be right. <laughs> I would know because I I made the mistake of drinking the tap water. Oh, bad move! <laughs> bad move. There's, There's a reason why everyone had a Brita filter in college. Oh, totally. It's like you know, water should have one ingredient in it. You know, water, and I felt like I could taste like seven different things in that. Yeah, <laughs> like it came like right underneath the street, and then like everything from like the ground just kind of like seeped into it, and that mixed with like chemicals and pesticides. I don't know it wasn't wasn't uh, a good deal but 
Yeah, my favorite though is Kangaroo Express. Um, I don't know if you remember the story we had talked about it, but like the dude on PCP like is tweaking in front of the gas station. And I'm trying to get um, ice out of the ice box for the beer I bought for our shoot, and he's just like, "Hey man, you got any cigarettes?" And I'm just like, "No, I don't smoke." Yeah. And then he fucking he's like tweaking and shit and like rub and he's like shaking and his uh like his teeth are shaking and his eyeballs are twitching like he's freaking the fuck out and then he starts taking his fucking clothes off and he starts like rubbing himself and I'm like what is this fucker do what are you doing and ian and uh dylan are in the car like Disturbed. just <laughs> <laughs> watching me like concerned that i might just fucking punch this guy in the throat because um you know, there's this unpredictability factor there. I don't know what he's going to do. For all I knew, he was going to try to, like, uh, take a bite out of my neck or something. You never uh, know, right? Yeah. But, and then I remember the same day you had, when we were film scouting, like, you had a story about some fucking, like, rusty truck with a bunch of hillbillies in the back of it or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only, I think, a few days after that shoot, too, uh, some guy, some Florida man came up to me and Ian mm -hmm. uh, right when we were about to go meet up with Jacob. Yeah. There was this there was this guy who, like, saw us at a cross-section, and he was just, like, it, I would describe him as, like, he was decked out in all camouflage, right? Yeah. He, he had, like, a, almost like a fisherman's type of hat on, like, I don't know, maybe, like, straw hat type of material. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... He had like those hanging sunglasses type of deal. He and he looked like he was like sixty years old. Yeah, but he comes up to us, and you know he, this guy looks very you know like crusty looking is the way I describe him. Yeah, but that's not how he spoke. That's no no. He he had the voice of Michael Jackson. He sounded yeah. like ah, hey guys. I wasn't expecting that. And he starts talking to me and Ian about like what our skin routine is. And we're like, what, what, are, you what are you talking about? Dude? He's, he's like, he's like, you know, when, uh, when you get to my age, uh, you're just you lose all your teeth. You know, that's what happens from all the drugs. And we're like, uh, okay, buddy, we don't do oh my God. And, and no, the, the guy was just going off about how he's like 26 years old and he just looks like he's 60. And like, we're just waiting oh to God. cross. I think uh, it was uh, our friend Antonio. He yeah. had just come out of the store. You met yeah. him. And uh -huh. he was just like, he saw the situation. He immediately diffused it. He's like, all right, get, get away from them. <laughs> <laughs> so wild. It sounds like some fucking Boo Radley shit. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what are what are some of the other good Florida man stories? Oh, man. I know it's I saw that guy again. That that guy I saw twice in yeah. Florida, and like the second time I saw him, I was literally telling that story to a friend on the phone while I'm outside of McDonald's, and the guy came by. I just saw him like in like uh, my peripheral vision, just walking. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no, and he was wearing the same camouflage. He's wearing oh like <laughs> the same hat. And I was like, oh man, it's the same guy. It's definitely him. And he asked me for money and I, I didn't have any at the time. I didn't have any cash on me. Right. I was just like, oh man, like this guy, this, what is he doing? <laughs> What's he doing around here? <laughs> I remember we saw some fucking weirdo in the woods when we were yeah. filming. The fuck yeah. was that guy's deal? That was... I don't remember too much of the details, but there's something unnerving about him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I don't know. He shouldn't have been out there or something. There's just, I don't know. There's just people you encounter. Like, for me, I encountered someone really weird once in the woods. I was, I was filming with a couple of buddies of mine. Yeah. And we, there's like, um, this woman walks by. She looked like she was probably like in her late 20s. Mm -hmm. And she was carrying like a... Almost like it looked like a kendo stick that you see in WWE. Yeah, it's like a bamboo like stick, whatever. Okay. And we're, we're like, we start backing up because we're like, "What's this lady gonna do?" Because she has like this angry look on her face, yeah. like she's just ready to beat someone up. And like we're like in the middle of filming a scene, and like we stop and we look just just to look over at what the hell she's doing, and we see her just whacking a bush with this kendo stick, just screaming like "fuck you, dad!" Just like I don't know what was going on there. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> that's what she was screaming, and. 
I asked her, I don't even know why I thought like I should even approach, but I was like, I asked her like, excuse me, are, are you okay? Yeah. She, she's giving me this look like, turn to me. <laughs> Gives me this look. She's like, don't, don't question it. Don't question what I'm doing. And we're just like, oh, okay. Oh my God. <laughs> we, just, we got the hell out of there. Yeah. Ian told me that last time he was there, he saw like a fucking woman like totally butt naked on the road with like carrying like a fucking sofa on her back and like like, the sad thing is i'm not even perplexed like i'm just like oh well you know it's florida exactly Uh, i think that that reminded me oh i'm sorry that reminded me real quick that you mentioned a sofa and i I have to say this like you know it could not get more florida than the day you move out of florida when i was moving out Mm -hmm. uh my neighbor above me i don't know what was going on I just hear all this like noise. Next thing I know, I open up my door because my, my parents are coming by to help me like move my stuff. Yeah. And I just see a couch flying out this dude's window. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Only in Florida. This is this is like the perfect way to part with Florida. Like I, I wouldn't ask for anything else. Like he threw out his couch, he threw out chairs, like he was just throwing out all his furniture out of his window. And I'm just like, all right. This guy's having a rough day, I guess. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but cool. I'm glad I'm out of here. It's it's the bath salt. <laughs> um, yeah, we have this town up here called Forest Lake. It's kind of a redneck uh, shithole. It reminds me of, like Aberdeen, Washington. Like it, it's a it's a pretty place. It's out in the country, like 45 minutes north of the cities. But for whatever reason, it's just like. Uh, just fucking knuckle dragging inbred like hick t- like it's kind of I always call it the Florida of uh, Minnesota and <laughs> yeah god we had some just um, a good friend of mine lived there and we could literally kill like a whole evening like oh like what do you want to do we're bored like let's just go fuck around go around town and like people watch and like yeah. sure enough like the weirdest fucking people ever like there is this one night and this totally reminds me of a florida thing um it's like the parallels are uncanny but like there's this fucking crackhead on this bicycle and there's like this uh this bar restaurant place called like Norman Quacks and he like rides up to the the fucking door and he's like trying to get in right but he's he's pushing and the door won't open and he pushes again and he pushes again and he's like fucking screaming and he's angry and he's pissed because the the door says it's open to like 12 and it's it's only 9 p.m. and he just keeps pushing and pushing and fucking pushing right well it turns out the the door was pulled not push but he's so high on fucking (laughs) bath salts and pcp he can't figure that out so naturally, like, what do you think um, his next move is, right? So he picks up his bike and he decides to throw it through the fucking uh, window of the restaurant. No. And so he's sitting here with this giant mountain bike and he's this little old guy. And he's just trying to throw it through the fucking window. And then there's people just like walking in and out as he's like doing this. And he's just yeah. absolutely perplexed why they're able to like, figure out this magical mystery door and he can't and then he, he freaks out and he like gets on his bike and he rides away into the night and then there is like god there's one lady who's she was fucking scary but she was tweaking and she's standing outside of the gas station like a gas station mind you and she's holding napkins in her hands like from a restaurant or something and she's lighting them on fire and she's like fucking cackling, like watching these napkins burn. And then it like burns her fingertips because obviously they go up in flames really fast. And then she's like fucking screaming and like swearing and kind of doing the just like the tweaker thing where they're just like, like talking yeah. to God knows what. Sounds like a cartoon. Yeah. yeah and then she, she takes out more fucking napkins and then she does it again. And she's got this purse full of fucking napkins and she's Another sitting outside one. of the gas station, just fucking setting them on fire and burning her hands. And yeah, well, yeah, that town, um, yeah. reminds me of Florida every time I'm there. See why? Maybe there is like, 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe a bunch of Floridians came over and they settled in there, or or vice versa. Maybe there's who knows. Maybe a lot of people from Forest Lake decided to go to uh, uh, Florida and then procreate with all their cousins. <laughs> it was never the same again. <laughs> <laughs> On that oh. note, um, uh, anything else you guys are interested in discussing? Uh, well, well, Jacob, what have we like not brought up? Like, I feel like we haven't even, I guess, said like what porn users is all about. If you want to say, Jacob, yeah, yeah, that'd be um, awesome. Okay, I can try to, I can try to. Uh, born users. Okay, so our first comic, obviously, born users, is uh, about. It takes place in a world, quite like ours, uh, at least in our, the first place we we explore called Newgate City. Uh, and in this place, uh, things are governed by uh, a force called the Newgate Templar or the NGT. And basically, they, their whole thing is the world is divided with humans and users. And users are humans that are born with uh, a tattoo. And residing in that tattoo is a deity or you know some sort of godlike creature mm-hmm. that bonds with that user's soul from birth. And uh, that take, you know, the, their powers come in the form of all sorts of things and uh they every now and then they're taken over against their will by these deities which causes a lot of chaos and so the newgate uh templar their whole philosophy is to suppress these users and and to experiment on them amongst a lot of other things so that's where our first chapter takes place but there's a a massive massive world to explore many different uh, islands and ocean sectors and and places that uh are yet to even be perceived. So very cool. Sounds like a uh yeah, sounds like a badass uh just uh storyline and everything. Thanks. Yeah, I mean uh comparables we kinda compare it to X Men a lot, the way the mutants are sort of looked down upon by society. Okay. Um but you know, that's only in this part of the world in in Newgate City. So there's different areas where users are seen as equals there's there's places where they're able to control their abilities a little bit more and uh we basically follow a whole suite of characters from different places that and these storylines end up intertwining and going their own separate routes so it's really exciting it sounds like it uh create um a big amount of like potential for different story arcs character arcs oh yeah um you know each character having being able to branch off in their own series or storyline. So, um, I always love, um, yeah, just like characters and stuff that are able to do that. Cause it, it opens up so much potential for like the universe or like the storyline world. Yeah. That's the goal. You know, we try to, we put a lot of care into each individual character and different, there's like we we constantly surprise ourselves with how many different circumstances can be found in this world with like users that are born with their powers users that are born that are born human and then get a power somehow there's different circumstances for each character and uh you know we go between users between humans between good people bad people there's there's like there's like no line that it won't that it won't cross and delve into awesome sweet and it's uh it's it's become like a big it's like a very world driven type of story because like you'd imagine with a situation like that basically in that entire world tattoos are just completely outlawed against you know anyone who has a tattoo they're just immediately considered a threat to humanity because like they think oh this person's a user because sure. the whole the whole thing is uh i think where where this really separates itself from like jacob was saying like with things like x-men and other superpower stories is that no matter what, at any time, the deity that resides within a user could just choose to become the host of that body. Yeah. At any time they so choose. So like each person that we write as like a user, we're kind of writing them like two characters in one is mm-hmm. one thing that we've kind of found with this. And that's uh, that's been part of the fun of it, definitely, of just like that inner conflict that each of them sort of have um, and just the overall oppression that the world kind of throws at them. But yeah. Uh, Yes, it's going to be a wild ride. And um, I think if we were to tell you about one more story idea, Jacob, I think the best one to kind of 
close out on is Nefesh, since we just put out the novel, well, the beginning of the novel for it. All right, lovely. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Nefesh um, is, we originally were going to do it as a comic. We still might, uh, but right now we're working on the novel version. Uh, and the first novel is called The Tale of Greed. Uh, Nefesh basically follows uh, the world. The first chapter is called Seven Days because the world has seven days. Sorry, hold on, I got to restart this because I, I want to put this as perfectly as possible. Sure. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> so, Nefesh, the first, sorry, hold on. Because <laughs> I, I want to get this right. Maybe I should just do the log line. Yeah, we got a log line. Yeah. <laughs> we got that somewhere. Hold on. Okay. There it is. All right. So our log line reads, uh, years after seven diabolical deities subjugated the earth, humanity lives in perpetual fear, knowing the cost for committing a sin is now their soul. Donovan Clyde, a man partly responsible for civilization's collapse, is thrust into an adventure across the underworld, destined to reform the legendary four horsemen and free humankind. So that's, that's very nutshell- uh, explanation for everything but uh basically uh it revolves around uh, a, f a set of characters namely donovan clad but also in the underworld there's these seven deities the seven deadly sins as one might recognize them right. but in our story it's just the seven sins they're deities from the underworld created by another uh, being who i don't know if we should really get into that because you'll understand that more when you read it sure but uh yeah, so essentially they took over the world and said, you can't commit these sins. Uh, and if you do, your soul is, is taken and uh, brought to what's called a soul den. Uh, they're collected and, and fed into something. Um, and so Donovan Clyde is one of those people who ends up in the underworld uh, after uh, one of the chapters. And he goes on an adventure. He meets the entity of death and... Uh, their whole purpose is to to put a stop to what's what's controlling humanity. Awesome! That sounds like some super cool stuff. Um, I can tell you guys did your research too, and uh, trying to like, um, I don't know. There's a lot of depth to some of those ideas, so I can definitely tell you guys kind of compiled some research along with. Uh, you know, kind of the story that you created. Um, yeah, I mean, Nefesh is like our, it's like the pinnacle. Like, I feel it's the connection between a lot of these stories, and it's also a connection between a lot of our favorite genres and stories. Like, world building wise, it's hugely detailed. You know, Game of Thrones meets whatever, Lord of the Rings, Avatar all these things, it's an adventure, it's action, it's drama, all this emotion, there's yeah. literally everything in there. And we can, we kind of express that, like, if we, we thought, we kind of think about it as even if, if it was a video game, like mm -hmm. it'd be endless, like there'd be, it'd be playable for years and years because there's just so much. Definitely. Well, <clears throat> from a business side of it, it's really smart because when you create a world like that, uh, it's really great for marketing and branding too. Um, I think something that's often overlooked or maybe not even overlooked, but not given enough credit to is just how vertically integrated um, some of the these famous brands and products are. So, like, you know, think the Avengers or like Star Wars, like they went from being uh, storylines, movies, characters, a trilogy into a franchise, into a brand. And then. Like, think of all the Star Wars or, like, the Marvel shit you see. Like, you have you have T-shirts, posters, toys. But now you've, you've got party supplies. You've got paper plates. You've got yep. so many different, like, products with this brand on it. And it all came from, like, a story. And then the story was part of a bigger world, introduced more characters, like, more uh, potential, like... Uh, more storylines, more character arcs, and it just turns into this gigantic franchise. Um, I think it's a missed opportunity with um, a lot of creative products, or uh, sorry, creative projects in general. It's just not enough 
foresight for creating compelling characters and being able to create something that can just kind of keep growing and expanding. So sounds like you guys have uh, gotten uh, created something really good for yourselves that's going to take you some places and have a lot of potential for growth as well. Thank you. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything uh, you want to add to that, Gum? Um, I think he said it best, honestly. I, yeah. I think you said it best as well. Because, um, yeah, I think when, when, when I was approaching Jacob for the first time uh, about doing comics together, one of the things I mentioned was like, yeah, dude, let's not just make only stories. Let's make IPs. You know, let's make intellectual properties. Right, yeah. And that was like, I think that is where that focus sort of came from when it came to how we sort of assemble these stories together and these characters that we're going to be yeah. putting in there. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> it's been a big focus of mine with like my creative stuff, all my, my screenplays, which are now going into novels and then if any of the novels do well i want those to be movies but i try to create little easter eggs in each like different story that can sort of tie um different scripts and different like uh novels and whatever together and i i focus on like characters villains especially so that um yeah, eventually you can create that opportunity to have branding and sort of uh, a universe that's just connected together. That's the, that's the fun of it, man. Especially yeah. when uh, we're doing, what is it, seven comic stories or something now, Jacob, where it's just all one sort of connected lot. timeline. Yeah, it's a lot. It's like six or seven. But uh, the fascinating thing is just how we continue to find new ways to connect stuff. And it's like, wow. How did we not think about that before? It's like blatant. It's there and it's mm-hmm. just waiting to be expressed or written down. That's the totally. beauty of it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, when you kind of get over those creative obstacles, it allows you, I think, to get out of your um, kind of your comfort zone and allows you to be a little less safe. And when you do that, you can create some really compelling stuff. One thing I I keep in mind a lot when I write is, like, if I'm struggling with a character arc or, like, this is kind of getting redundant or, like, it's repetitive or something, especially if it's, like, a sequel to something that I've already done. Yeah. Honestly, I go back to wrestling. How do you keep keep wrestling fresh? Like, how do you... um, Like, CM Punk's the most popular wrestler in the in the world and he's had a title reign for 400 days um the booking hasn't been great so like what do you do you make him a bad guy right and now all of a sudden it creates whole new opportunities for for storylines for character development and especially when it's a surprise and it and it it comes out of nowhere but it's also logical like it's yeah there's actual actual like thought and like a process to it so honestly there's a lot of uh times creatively i always try to just reflect back to that lesson and it's like how can i how can i take that really simple approach and um apply that to like characters and stuff like face turns and heel turns (laughs) that's that's one of one something that just helps me a lot it's cool that you think about that though man because like i I think about that to, about that too. There was a character I, I wrote at one point that was definitely kind of influenced by the way uh, Mick Foley sort of did his career. If you remember Mick Foley, he had like four yeah, faces yeah. of Foley. Yep. Essentially, like he was a very complex character. He, there were many different faces of Foley. And I, I always thought that that was so interesting that he was just able to pull that off with like one character and play four. Right. And uh, it's like what you said, you know, uh, making the good guy bad guy bad guy good guy what you're doing from this like when you boil it down in a nutshell all you're really doing is you're just making these characters more complex and I right. think audience totally responds to that every single time it's realistic um, it's it's human nature not everybody's perfect and uh, you know people have their highs and lows and it's kind of an exaggerated yeah. version of that yeah I think um, that's part of the fun of making characters too because like I think Jacob might have mentioned before like uh, there's no real good or bad in like born users like 
we have like the level of authority and the people against the inborn users and whatnot but at the end of the day it's a very gray situation because you know they have the reasons for what each side is doing in the story yeah so you really could root for either side i feel like the wrestling inspiration just runs super deep like like (laughs) we literally have characters that we created in 2k wwe straight up the video that that are gonna go that are gonna be in the comic book that's awesome just because they were cool you know so yeah it's just great we have a comic book idea that revolves around one of the characters that was a wrestler in in the past and it's like Mm-hmm. interdimensional <laughs> beings wrestling and it's crazy yeah that's awesome yeah i've i've definitely dug into that for inspiration and especially in times where i'm tr- over complicating things it helps pull myself back a little bit and like hey what did i see here that was effective but really simple and yeah it's super funny yeah, totally. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. I think that's that might be a good stopping point for now. Um, anything else you want to add? Where can, um, where can they, my audience, get to uh, find born users? And then, if you want to say the name of your YouTube channel again, or anything else you want to promote? Yeah, so everyone can find us uh, on the Zymoth if you type in X Y Myth. It's uh, that's the word, all one word, Zymoth. We're essentially, uh, we're posting on YouTube, Zymoth. We're posting on patreon.com slash Zymoth. Uh, that's actually where people could currently, people who are currently our patrons, they could find the beginning of chapter one of Born Users and uh, also the beginning of our novel of Nefesh over on our Patreon. But pretty soon, uh, later on in a few months, we're going to be posting up Born Users for free up on Webtoons. So really just the advantage is that anyone who patrons us will just get to see it first essentially and, get in, see it and in its full glory like full page format and stuff because webtoon since you're not fully familiar with it it's like more like uh boxes like it's like phone you could also look on your computer but it's it's a mm-hmm. different format than like normal comics that you flip through but on patreon you'll get the full format like exactly how it's meant to be read and cool. eventually hopefully down the line we'll print them out that's one of our goals yeah all right. Awesome. Cool, guys. Well, thank you for joining us tonight and uh, best of luck to you with all your creative endeavors. Well, thank you, man. It was a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. All right. Yep.